Amen. Thank you, Linda. Can we trust God's heart? Amen. We sure can. Let's pray. Dear God, as we open up your word, please speak to this man's servant so that we can be edified. We thank you so much, God, for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, uh, let's put the sermon topic up. Okay. You guys have it in your bulletin also. So what does it say there? A marriage made where? In paradise. Does that animal exist? (laughs) Is there such a thing as a perfect marriage? Of course not. But we're going to talk about a marriage that was perfect, where the success rate of marriage was 100% and divorce rate was 0%. We're going back to Eden, right? Before sin. So we're going to be talking about a perfect marriage or a marriage made in paradise. And I hope you guys can take note. And uh, this will prepare us actually for tonight's event. Right? (laughs) Right, Elder Ernest? All right. So... um, Let's talk a little bit about this. Uh, When sin came into this world, of course, problems came to the home. Uh, All these different situations that we're living, the the wretchedness of the curse of sin destroyed many homes. Uh, Actually, sometimes we need to be a little bit more honest about this because there's some people that have said, I've never said a harsh word to my wife or to my husband. Well, honestly, I think they're lying. (laughs) Okay, all right, unless they're in the book of, of, of record of, of world genius, you know, they've never had a situation in their marriage before, so they should be in the world records. Uh, but yes, uh, we're going to talk about this passage. So let, let's read it one more time. It's there in Genesis chapter, chapter 2. It's in the bulletin if you don't have your Bible with you. Uh, chapter 2, verses 18 through 25, it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them to Adam to see that he would call them. And whatever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was no one found as a helpmeet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now, there are some couples that seem to have been made in in paradise in this church, and I've seen several. I'm not going to say their names because I don't want to cause others to feel jealousy and and have you sin. (laughs) But uh, uh, I know one couple that every time they come into the church, someone always says that to them. And I'm not going to say their name, but I'm looking them straight in the face, and the event this night is at their home, okay? But it's just a a beautiful couple, and many of you are very good examples, and I praise God for that. But as we we study uh, this topic, I would like to consider a few facts. So let's go to a few facts as part of the introduction. Do you know how many people are getting divorced at this 
very moment? So I found out the statistics for today. Not for yesterday or a year ago, for today. So here it is. Every 13 seconds, there is one divorce in America. Actually, this is the country with more divorce in the whole world. Okay, so we're in, in the country of divorce. Okay, so every 13 seconds, there's one divorce in America. That means 277 divorces per hour. 646 divorces per day. 46,523 divorces, divorces per week. And 2,419,196 divorces per year. Imagine when a couple is saying their vows, which takes about two minutes, there's nine divorces. <laughs> By the time I finish this sermon, there's going to be another 140 couples that have gotten their divorce. So, so this is not good news. So we're talking about a very difficult time. We're talking about a crisis. So if we go to this passage, maybe we can find some elements that can help divorce-prove our marriage, amen? So maybe we can find something that can help us to live together, not just together, but together according to God's will, okay? And so uh, let, let's see what the Lord intended, what, what, what this passage can reveal to us to help divorce-prove marriage. So let's go to verse 18. So let's just jump in real quick here. We're going to talk, first of all, about God's intention when... when when he created marriage, what was his intention? So how was the Garden of Eden when, when, when man was created? Oh, it was beautiful. It was perfect. Uh, unspeakable beauty, I would say. A perfect place when God created man. And of course, the animal kingdom that, that enjoyed all that perfect peace and harmony here on earth. Uh, it was a good place. So... Looking back on Lord's creative efforts in chapter 1, we see that every single day, whatever he created, he would say, it's good. And if it was good in God's eyes, then it was good with a capital P. Perfect, okay? <laughs> if it was good in God's eyes, because it was perfect. So every single day he said, this is good. The light is good. The trees are good. The fish, everything's good. But then he gave man an assignment. What, what did he tell him to do? To name the animals. But, but right, right before that. So, so God is looking at his handiwork. He declares that everything is good. But then when he saw a man, he said, this is not good. Right there in verse 18. Okay. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man be what? Man be alone. I don't know if you guys know what that word really means. Because remember, the Bible was not written, written in English. Okay, so in Hebrew, the word actually means being cut off or being a piece which is isolated from a whole. So, so, so please follow me. Okay, so the idea when God says it's not good that men be alone is because he was not complete. He had been separated from something that would make him whole. So the Lord came into a conclusion. Let's see what that conclusion was. It says here, in the, in the following part of the verse, I will make him a help me for him. Wow, what, what does that mean? What does help mean? Anyone ever wonder what this word means? A help? In Hebrew, it, it means one who assists another to reach fulfillment. 
<laughs> Isn't that incredible? Something that will make the person complete. And meet refers to one who is suitable or corresponds to. So in other words, God is going to give Adam someone that will fill up that which is lacking in his own life. One that will make him complete. So God is just awesome. So this is one of the benefits of marriage. The husband and wife, they're supposed to complement each other. Now, now check this out. Us guys use our right side of our brain. Okay, and what do we do with our right side of our brain? Now, guys, we like to analyze things. We like to get into conclusions, see how we're going to fix things. You know, what, what can we do about this? What can we do about that? So it's, it's like a practical side of the brain. And so if we get to a conclusion and we fix something, we think that's it. You know, there's no other alternative because we analyzed it and we came to that conclusion. But women have the ability to use both sides of their brain at the same time simultaneously because if we're analyzing something with our right side, but then we want to use our left side, which is the compassion and the understanding and the love, you know, and feelings and stuff, we have to disconnect from our right side. So that's going to be an issue because we have to start, stop analyzing to start feeling. And women can't. They can do both things at the same time. Because that's why God has given them to us so that we can be more complete. Now, sometimes we don't want to accept that. Okay? But, but imagine this. If we only analyze, then where's the compassion? Where is the understanding? Where, where is that, that, that feeling behind the decisions that we make? So women have the ability to use both sides of the brain simultaneously to make us guys complete, even though sometimes that may be a little bit confusing, you know, for us. But it's just wonderful how God said, I will make him a help me. I will make him complete so that he can be successful. God was thinking about our happiness. Amen? So he was thinking about us when he created the woman to take up that, 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 that place, that lack that we had. Now, God's intention in making woman was to complement and complete man. But what else can we learn from this? So look, look at this. The Lord's concern was that man should not be what? Alone. So after that, the Lord got into his conclusion, I'm going to make him a helpmate for him. All right? But now look at the next text. We're here in our, in our Bible, so let's go to the next part, verses 19 to 22. And out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see that he would call them. He would name them. And whatever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle, to all the fowl of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a help me for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, he made a woman and brought her unto him. So, so, so first of all, we talked about the Lord's intention. Now let's talk about the Lord's intervention. The Lord's intervention. So first of all, we see that he shaped a desire inside of Adam. So when he was giving the names to all the animals, it was not just an intellectual exercise. It was not just to, uh, 
get his brain to work, you know, it was so that he could feel a need. So when he was looking at the animals and giving them names, he says, but they all have a partner. I don't have a partner. I don't have someone like me. So God created that need of companionship. That was part of God's plan in allowing him to give the names to the animals. So, you know, that need, he creates that sense of, you know what, I need someone like me. I don't want to be alone. That desire that awakens in our young people is sometimes trouble for parents. Because all of a sudden you're a teenager when those hormones start working and he only wants to be with the girls, you know, and, and the, the girls with the guys. And you say, what, what's going on with my kid? It's normal. And it's going to come to a time where he or, he or she is going to say, I want to settle down and make my own family. That's part of God's plan. Unless God's plan is for you to be single, that's okay. That's, that's a divine alternative. But if he wants you to get married, he puts that inside of you. He creates that need, that desire of companionship that you can... You can have someone on your side and by your side forever. So this is just part of God's, of God's plan. So parents, you know, don't, don't think that's odd. That's, that, that's normal. We just have to adjust to, to that part of life. It's normal. So we have that desire. And then what happened? A desire satisfied by who? By God. So th- this desire... Let's talk a little bit about, about this desire. The Lord never awakens a desire that he is not prepared to fulfill. So, so let, let's keep that very clear. Our problem is that sometimes our desires are not his desires. So sometimes when we see marriages that are not really built according to God's plan, it's because we have short, short-circuited God. We have made his decision our decision. By taking our own path. Now we have to let him decide who is going to be our companion for life. So here we said about meeting that need. And to do that, three things were involved. So let's, let's talk about these three things that were involved. Number one, sleep. He put Adam to sleep. This was the first major surgery, doctor. First major surgery in history. And he put him to sleep. In other words... How much did Adam participate in selecting his wife? Zero. It was God's decision. God's plan. And here's something very important for our young people that that are going to choose their husband or the wife later on. Let God select. Because when you're all in a hurry, when you're all desperate to find your companion, you're probably going to make a wrong decision. Because God wants you to sleep. In other words, he just wants you to trust that he knows what he's doing. He knows what's going on in your life. And he knows what type of person would make a good husband or good wife for you. So sometimes we also have to go to sleep. In other words, we have to have faith in God. We have to allow him to choose our partner. Now, I remember when I was an early teen, my sister comes up to me. She's three years younger than I. And she says, hey, bro, um, do you think that God actually has a guy for every girl? And of course, I said yes. And then she got all worried. Oh, no. And I said, what's up, sis? She says, what about if mine was an abortion? And I said, well, you got me there, sis. Uh, let's just pray that the guy that God has for you is coming from a pro-life mom. <laughs> you know, so... 
But no, that, that's not the issue. The issue is that God has a plan for you. God has a plan for every single one of us. So it's very important that we understand that first we have to sleep. We have to trust in God. Adam didn't participate in the selection. Number two, there was a surgery. Yes? When you're going through the process of marriage, there's pain. Sometimes it's financial pain. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, weddings can come very expensive sometimes. Uh, but more than that, the emotional investment is great in a relationship. And what if it doesn't work out? Like the first couple I married. I don't know if I told you guys this, but when I, when I, when I went to the wedding, I had just been ordained. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go do my first marriage. So I was actually invited to go do a marriage in one of the churches that I had pastored. I was in a different area now. I was, I was working in, in the youth department. So I went to that church. The food was ready. The church was decorated. The people were there, but the couple didn't show up. And so I told the, the mom and dad of, of, of both of the, the, the bride and groom, I said, what's going on? Well, I don't know, Pastor, but uh, I think they just made a decision not to get married. But you make them get married because the food is ready. So you convince them, Pastor, because, I mean, we've, we've invested a lot of money decorating this church. So, yes, I talked to the, to the bride, and she said that she found out that his man, her man that was here in the United States for nine months and a few months in Mexico a year had another love over here. Pain. So surgery. A lot of times surgery is involved in these decisions. And even when we get married, we've done our vows, we're living together, there's pain. Marriage can be painful. Sometimes we go through stuff. But that's just part of the process that God allows so that we can be redefined and refined into what God expects our marriage to be. So there's surgery involved, but there's also something else involved. What else do we see there? Okay, symbolism. So he takes a rib out. Now Matthew Henry, one of the big theologians that has written, you know, almost a uh, uh, the whole New Testament commentaries and stuff. So, so he said something incredible. He said, Eve was made by God not out of Adam's head to rule over him. Some ladies think they were made out of their head. Nor out of his feet to be trampled upon. And some guys think that she was created from his foot. But out of his side to be equal with him. From under his arms to be protected, from near to his heart, so that she could be loved. So there's a symbolism here that is very important. Woman came from the side of the man. So we talked about the Lord's intention. We talked about the Lord's intervention. So let's go to the last part. The Lord's invention. Because I'm not talking about women. You know, I know he invented both guys and girls, but we're talking about marriage, the institution of marriage. So, so let, let, let's read verses 23 through 25. So it says here, And Adam said, Now this is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his mother and his, mo his father and mother, shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. 
and they were both naked, man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. So let's talk about the Lord's invention. Okay, so I'm talking about marriage. This verses that we're reading constitutes the first marriage ceremony, correct? All right? And so there's three aspects that are involved in marriage when God created marriage. So let, let's talk about these three aspects. First of all, it involves a response. So how did Adam respond? What, what was his response when he saw Eve? You know, imagine, I, I don't know how this happened, but can you allow me to use a little bit of sanctified imagination? So I, I can imagine just uh, waking Adam up, you know, the Lord is waking Adam up. Hey, wake up. I think the anesthesia is done, you know. Wake up. So he wakes up and then he says, uh, wait here, I'll be right back. So he had told Eve to hide behind one of these big trees, you know. She said, you, you just hide over here, you know. So he goes over there and says, are you ready, Eve? I want to present Adam to you. So he comes out from behind the tree and says, Adam. And I, I, he probably told Adam to keep his eyes closed, right? He says, close your eyes, okay? Now you can open your eyes. So he opens his eyes, and you know what it says? In, in Hebrew, the way that this is phrased, it would be something like the young people would say today, yes! You know? Wow, this, this is for me, you know? Adam says, uh, now this is bone on my bones, flesh on my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So marriage involves a response. If you get married to someone that you don't love, ugh, what a shame. Oh, I got her pregnant. I got to get married. You know? And so there's a lot of marriages. There's marriages that happen because they've been dating so long. They have a doctor's degree in courtship. You know, they've been going out for like six years. And it's like, well, maybe this is not a good thing. You know, I think I'm giving second thoughts about getting married to you. But, I mean, we've invested six years, so let's just go for it. No. There has to be a response, and that response has to be love. That response has to say yes to God's will. And, and when you're at the altar and, and, and the minister says, will you accept this person to be your lawful, wedded wife? Will you accept her in sickness and in health? I, I hope this doesn't happen to anybody, but I was watching this, this, this YouTube where they're marrying this couple, right? And so it comes to the part in the, in the Bible where it says, in riches and in poor, and the lady didn't answer. So the, the pastor had to say again, in riches and in poor? And she's like stunned. In riches and in poor? And so actually the, 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 the bride had to like, you know, put the elbow right here on her, on her side, and she's like, oh, yes, I do, I do. No, there has to be a response that comes out of a love relationship that has been built through the experiences that you have shared together that has brought you to the altar. So there has to be a response. Another thing there has to be, oh, it involves a responsibility. And what's that responsibility? Huh? Oh, yeah, you have to leave and cleave. <coughs> Marriage is something that can't be taken lightly, you know. It's serious stuff. Should be prayed about, strictly observed according to the Lord's commandments, and it involves responsibility. The Bible says you have to leave father and mother and you have to cleave 
to your wife. So this is a two-step process, right? So what, what does it mean to leave? <laughs> what does it mean to leave? What it means is that you have to leave all other relationships as priority because now your priority is your husband, is your wife. Sometimes leaving is leaving all those things that interest you the most, like some of your hobbies, your sports, other things that might cloud your relationship because you're not giving her or him the, the correct place in your life. So leaving could be, you know what, let's exclude everyone else except God. You know, the only relationship that is more important than your husband or your wife is your relationship with God. Okay, let, let's keep that straight. So leaving is like, any relationship outside of marriage that could be a back set for your marriage has to be out of the picture. Business, hobbies, friends, careers, sports, even church work has to be secondary to your relationship. Oh, I love God a lot. And you're never with your husband because you're always involved in ministry. No. Your first responsibility is to leave all those things in a correct order of priorities and take care of your husband or your wife. Now, what does it mean to cleave? In Hebrew, it means to adhere, to stick to, to be bound together. Actually, in, in the Greek word for this means to be pasted with glue. So if you get two pieces of paper and you paste them together and you let the glue dry, I want you to separate those two sheets of paper. You know what's going to happen? You're going to tear those sheets into little pieces because you can't separate them. So just as important that oneness that that glue that god expects in marriage it's serious stuff that someone or something separates that marriage that's serious it's damaging it destroys so cleave you have to stick to you have to be bound together today this is the phrase we hear in a lot of courts or a lot of attorneys well we tried it for a while, but it didn't work. So it's time for me to find a new relationship. That's pretty scary and pretty far away from God's intention at the beginning. So to stick like glue, to be welded together so that the two cannot be separated without serious damage to both, that's what it means to cleave. That's what it means to cleave. Now every married couple in this room needs to realize that they have been made one. I mean, you're not a couple. You're a unit. I mean, we refer to a couple because you're two individuals. But as far as how marriage should be run, it should be run like a one unit. Work together as a team. Live with that assurance that, that if you do that, you know what's going to happen? You know what, what would happen if all of our marriages in church would live like that, like glued together? As one unit, we would transform our homes. We would transform our society, our country. The impact that good marriages have is way beyond our fondest dreams. So we have to understand how important it is to comply with these responsibilities. Leave and cleave. Now, for those that have gone through a divorce, I don't want you to think that I'm, I don't have compassion for you. I do. So I'm not here to condemn you. God doesn't condemn you. On the contrary, God loves you. <laughs> so 
I'm just saying, those that are married, you have to fight for your marriage. What one, one uh, therapist said that what worries him is that a lot of times, a couple is more worried about how to get divorced than how to stay together. So what should we be worried about? Staying together. Staying together. Fight for our marriage. Not be thinking about, about divorce. And then one more thing. Marriage involves righteousness. Because it says that they were naked. There in verse 25 says they were naked, but they were not ashamed. In other words, the only sacred place to enjoy our sexuality is within marriage. Marriage is a holy place. It's the only place for sexual expression. It's right there in that marriage relationship. Anything out of that is a sin and brings a lot of problem and pain in our life. So we have talked a little bit about that original marriage there in Eden. So I have a few questions for you guys. So we're, we're going to go to the conclusion. And I want all the married people to stand up, please. If you're married, stand up. And I just want you to think about these questions that I'm going to put on the screen and answer them honestly in your heart. Don't tell your neighbor. Just to yourself. Alongside this passage that we have studied this morning, would you marriage stand as one that was made in paradise? Think about it. Another question. Is there some leaving and cleaving that needs to take place in your relationship so that you can give that priority to your marriage? Think about it. Another question. Is there some activity or pursuit that is coming between you and your spouse? Is there something that's trying to tear those two pieces of paper that have been glued together apart? Do you feel that one as the Sabbath? Huh? And the two shall be one flesh. Maybe you are married to an unbeliever. So why not bring that to the Lord? God can do amazing things. Another question. Maybe the sizzle has begun to fizzle. Why not come before the Lord and ask him to rekindle? Yeah, to rekindle the flames that once burned with passion in your marriage. I'll tell you something. If your marriage is broken, let God fix it. If your marriage is weak, let God strengthen it. And if it's good, allow God to make it even better. Because he has the power to do that. And he wants to do that. So today, as we think about these questions and ponder upon the message this morning, the marriage made in paradise, would you like to be blessed by God? Amen. Those that are married, would you love to have God's blessing today? Amen. So let's pray together and let's ask God for that oneness and for him to accomplish his purposes in our marriages. Dear God, we are just so thankful for your word. Because we know that every time we have to discuss something, be it about uh, the Sabbath or sin or, or human being, whatever, we have to go back to the original story. We have to go back to the Genesis account before sin came into this world so that we can understand many things. And today we have rediscovered, we have discussed together, that marriage that you made in paradise. 
where the principles still stand firm that if we follow your plan, we can have amazing marriages. We can overcome the struggles of this world and we can stick together. We can make you proud of our marriages. So that's why we have gone back to the Genesis account because that's where you laid the foundation. Dear God, bless our marriages. And like I've said, Lord, if there's a marriage that needs fixing, fix it. If there's a marriage that has been weakened by strives of this world, by maybe unconsciously not taking care of that fire that once burnt in our marriage, strengthen that marriage, Lord. And if we have a good marriage, oh, dear God, just make it better. Thank you, God, for talking to us this morning. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand together and sing number 554. Or let me walk with thee, number 554.
Dear Lord, just like you have a, a plan for marriages, just like you have a plan for our families, you also have an individual plan for each of us, and that plan is that we be saved. So Lord, once again, we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, that he can abide in our hearts, that he can guide our life. We thank you so much for your love. Help us to keep enjoying the blessings of the Sabbath. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.